In this episode, we do a game review of Feudum, and we talk to Mark Walters with the Dragonflight Convention. Please note to listeners, the interview with Mark Walters is not a good quality. You might have to turn up the uh, volume. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid, mindless band. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's, our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Hey, geeks. Blue Samurai here. It is episode 28. 28. Yeah, that's right. We're still here. We're looking good. We're still here, um, broadcasting live. Yes, from around the table, in Washington. That's right. You should go there. Yeah. Reserve your Mordekinds or Mordenkins, however you pronounce it. Tomafos coming out May eighteenth at your local game store. Support your local game store. Yes. Get the alt cover. Yes. So obviously, Geeks of Cascadia. We are your podcast. It's kind of Northwest Cascadia news. Mostly in tabletop gaming, cons, um, developers, artists, yada, yada, yada. It's right there it's below there. here. Or yes. Visit our website. You can. Um, we don't have a website. We don't have a website, but we have a Facebook page. <laughs> it's a Facebook page, That's yes. Right. It's kind of like a website. Why well, have right? a website anymore? I see no point in having a well, website. Well, it's like a website. Yes, yeah, so well, with, with that and Twitter and Instagram and mm-hmm. SoundCloud or iTunes. Right. What could we provide on our website? And how do our listeners get a hold of us on our our website, our Facebook page? Well, our Facebook email. page, we're Geeks of Cascadia, just like at Geeks of, Geeks of Cascadia on Twitter, and mm-hmm. the same thing on Instagram. If you want to email us, which would be fantastic. To get yeah, let me go check. Email. Let me go check the email. Just check oh, the mailbag. nobody's Nothing. emailed us. Um, that's Geeks of Cascadia at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Yeah, email us a question that you want us to research, a game you want us to review, Maybe you want to be on the podcast. Maybe you want to tell us that we're doing this wrong, and that's great, too. Which is fine. We're happy for feedback. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of feedback, yep. rate us. Yes. Rate us on iTunes, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those Facebook, things. Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they may want to know who we are. Who are you again? I already said I'm Blue Samurai. You Did you really? I did. Oh. Well, who are you? Oh, I'm still Paul. Oh, all right. Hey, Paul. And over there is where Joe would normally be, but that's he couldn't right. be with us tonight. Sorry, Joe. The Costasaurus is not here. But you know who is here, who will be on our show, is Doug and Kelly doing a game review yes. of Feudum. Yes, Feudum. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. It's um, it's very detailed and in-depth, it looks like. It is. It is. Um, it's pretty long. Yes. It's about 45 minutes long, I think. Oh, the video. Yeah, the video. The video is about 45 minutes long. The game is about 80 to 120 minutes long. Oh, Okay. Right. Yeah. So right. If, if that's right. what you're into, that's it's, the game for right. you. It's a, it's a yeah. check out the review. Yes. It's good. Uh, next time, Doug. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Paul, what do we got going on today? Well, we've got that, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk to Mark Walters from Dragonflight about Dragonflight. Did we talk to Mark Walters? We did. We did that at um, um, Metro Seattle Gamers. Yes, we did. We did. 
That was very cool. And uh, those guys are great, big friends to us. Oh yeah, uh, big supporters. Big shout out to Dragonflight, which is by the way one of the conventions you should sign up. And for. one of our sponsors. Yes, one of our sponsors. Um, by the way, just a note, a technical note. I don't know what happened. It was probably me, but the sound quality on that interview, not so good. I may have been a little gassy. Might have been, Paul might have been a little gassy. <laughs> just turn it up, just, yeah. a, just a slight. Okay. And you'll hear him. Okay, cool. I think it's important. To, I, I had to tell the listeners a lot. Yes. Yes, born there. And then, um, of course, Feudum. Yes, Feedum. but what do we got going on for uh, Kickstarter stuff? Or do you oh, want to do, with uh, the Sword of the Cost of Swords yes. for Kickstarter Corner. All right, uh, it's not here. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's me. You're uh-huh. stuck with me again. Uh-huh. So we have um, just kicked five days ago. Daily Magic Games and their uh-huh. expansion to Villages of Valeria called Landmarks. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is very cool. They had a goal of fifteen thousand. They're now at thirty thousand. They hit their goal in eighty minutes. Wow. That's bananas. That is bananas. But that's awesome for them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Looks great. Also, I stumbled across this really cool thing called Last Epoch. Um, wow. But who was that by again? Let's scroll up, Paul. By 11th Hour Games. It looks really wait, cool. Wait, wait. It says a loot loot action yeah, game. Yeah, loot-based, loot-based, action, loot-based action RPG. What does that mean? I don't know specifically, but Google it's it. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, with deep character <laughs> customization, time travel, crafting, they haven't reached mm-hmm. their goal. They're at $59,000, and they need $210,000. Oh, holy, holy cow. Yeah. yeah. How many and days do they got left? they got 23 days left, so get out your bankroll. But it looks really cool. At least check it out. Yes. The last Epoch mm-hmm. on Kickstarter looks really cool. Uh, looks like I got a little down, uh, free downloadable. There's a free down, downloadable Demo. demo. That's really hard to say. Free downloadable demo. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. the things I picked out of Kickstarter because I'm not super aware of it. I still got an update from Goatfish. They had a little like a few days a delay friend, with their printing. Friend. friend of the pod. Okay. Um, Chad Gray. They have got a little delay in their printing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it has anything to do with um, tariffs or anything. Ooh. But um, <laughs> we don't get political on this <laughs> no, show. No, we don't. Mm-mm. We do want our games, no, and they yes. get printed in China. Yeah. What? Many cases. I'm going to drink this beer. <laughs> so, in a little delay, he's going to have his um, test version by the end of this week. Mm-hmm. And then back on track. Sounds good. Uh, what else do we got going for Kickstarter? Is that, uh, is that it? Well, that's about it. That's about all I got. I'm not as in-depth and in-tuned to Kickstarter as the Costasaurus. He is the master. Well, I, I am going to look. We did do an interview with our good friend, uh, Chad Gray of Goatfish. And I am looking up the episode number. It was really great. I'm going to vamp for a minute. He came down to um, Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington, demoed the game for us. It looked like it was done. Mm-hmm. It was it was my kind of game. It's like a 10-minute card yes. game. Episode, That's what I like. Episode 12. Check it out. It's really good. Check it out. Yes. On the iTunes. What do we got for cons? Cons. There's, there's conventions. Yeah, there is. Coming up, we've got a tiny little thing called PaizoCon. There's all things Paizo. That mm-hmm. is May 28th through 25th. So Paizo, Starfinder, Pathfinder. I know. Very cool. Pathfinder 2, I guess, uh, is coming out. Pathfinder coming 2 out. is coming out. We're mm-hmm. hoping to interview someone about that soon. Yes. They finally they actually contacted us. Yes, great. Yeah. Yes. I have, to get, I have to get after those tables. We're really good at fooling people that we're a legitimate we're, podcast. Yes. So this, 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 this isn't even around the table. This is Steve's mom's basement. <laughs> right. I'm still living there. <laughs> 
That's in Seattle. Uh, it's at the Doubletree, um, mm. which I think is in SeaTac. Right. Um, it's only seventy-five dollars for if, four days. What if this was my basement, Paul? There's <laughs> it might be. I'm not sure. It's cow, not your basement. It's games. I just wake up here every two yes. weeks. Anyway, sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. We also have. Wait for it. Con, con, con. June eighth and tenth. If you're the kind of person that wow. likes to make conventions, this is the con for you. Yes. Yes, and that's going to be it's in Snoqualmie Pass. Mm-hmm. It's a con for planning conventions. We know a little bit about that. Yeah, a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're you more than me. I just I try to help. You've been there in the first Oregon. I've been one there. Of our sponsors. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And there is some really cool news from Gen Con. Oh, they cool. have a, their their event catalog is now live, and I am now going to read it to you. No, I'm not, because okay. that would take forever. It's four days. But you can go to the website. You go to the website, yes. GenCon.com. Mm-hmm. And that's my con news. What well, let's talk about OrcaCon, though. OrcaCon, yeah. And Dragonflight, just a little bit. Yeah. Again, Dragonflight, go on the website. I think it's Dragonflight.org. Yes. Uh, it's in August. Yep. Register for a room. Register Please for the do con. that. Register for the con. So do that now. OrcaCon. Yes, we'll wait. What? And, and then, <laughs> and now that you're done with that, huh? go register for OrcaCon, which is in January. All right, good, good. <laughs> so, Paul, what should we do first? I think we should probably do Mark Walters of Dragonflight first. I think you're right. Let's do that. Okay, cool. So let's do that right about now. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old. A space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium and Imperio. Now to our show. Hey Geeks, Blue Samurai here. We are here with Mark Walters. He is the chairman of the board of Dragonflight. And of course, Dragonflight is a convention that we go to. We're kind of inspired to create OrcaCon. Mark, so nice to meet you. It's good to be here. Uh, typically, we have Amy who uh, who does this, but uh, we're glad that you're here. You're a great replacement for Amy right now. I'll do my best. You know, but so I'm no Amy. you are no Amy. Amy is <laughs> one of a kind. Uh, so tell us what is uh, going on right now. The status of Dragonflight. I know we're a couple months away. I know we're a little early, but yeah. we just gave a status a little while ago of OrcaCon. Right. We're doing great, and we owe a lot of it. To you guys for helping us out. So, what's going on with Dragonflight? So we're we're in the process of ramping up and uh, and getting ready for our convention in August, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, just basically uh, getting things together. We're doing a little bit of rebranding as well, changing the name from Dragonflight to Dragonflight GameCon. Cool. Because that wow. did, well, wow. it describes what the convention is a little better. The name we sometimes get confused with a uh, with Anne McCaffrey's novel. Oh so, yeah, hey, so, have they ever contacted you about that? I've no, always wondered. No, no? okay, right. no, but we trade places in Google search. If you put okay. in Dragonflight, it's either going to be her or us. Wow, we go back and forth. Um, so, but we're 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 rebranding and and in the process of creating a new logo and uh, very cool. So uh, yeah, it's it's all it's uh, good times and we are we're sort of riding a wave. The last mm-hmm. several years have been really really good years for Dragonflight. So 
Uh, and also, our, we've just moved our clubhouse into New Digs, which is also part of the organization. And and so we're all excited for that, too. Now, what were your numbers coming out of uh, last year? It was around eight, uh, 800 or 1,000. It was, it was just shy of 900 people. Oh, awesome. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And so what, what are you looking at? Any Besides the, the logo changes and all that, is there any progra- programmatic changes that you're doing at, at Dragonflight coming up? Not not specifically. We, we tend to um, change things a little bit every year because the nature mm-hmm. of our hobby is changing every year, right? Mm-hmm. There, the different things are popular. Um, we're putting a lot more focus on organized play and role-playing. Uh, we have perhaps a little bit less of the historical minis and war games than we've had in the past, but that's still pretty robust. Uh, we're doing more in tournaments. Uh, we're doing more in terms of things like raising money for charity and that sort right. of thing with our with our RPG marathon and, and other things. So we we tend to do a little bit something different every year, but there's there's not a there's not a specific focus. It's more like rolling with the changes. Right. But you'll still have your kind of traditional stuff that you've always had that makes Dragonflight familiar yeah. to most people. Like, you'll, you'll always have that movie room. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you'll yeah. always have that corner where there's an Axis and Allies game that's sitting there for a long time, that big, large one. Oh, yeah. Um, and you'll have that um, kind of um, RPG rooms, yeah. which had a great time. We, um, in fact, Paul and I, we did uh, the Adventures League, I think, at the last uh, one. Yeah. Had a great time. Great fun. Yeah, got a bunch of buddies from high school. Mm-hmm. All around one table. That was really a great cool. time. Um, so, are you going to have the um, the uh, uh, playtest Northwest again? Yep, we're going to have playtest cool. Northwest, and and we have both uh, Adventures League and Pathfinder Society, and um, we haven't finalized all of the the things that we're going to be doing just yet. So. Um, keep a lookout on the website for that. And of course, it'll still be at the Bellevue Hilton. Still going to be at the Bellevue Hilton. And you can sign up right now if you want to. That's right. That's right. And um, they're early bird pricing still until June 10th? Uh, we are early bird pricing until, yes, until June. Yeah. Very cool. And are you, and you're probably like us, we're always worried about making sure that people sign up for a room because I think, uh, I think you enjoy the experience a little better. It's a little less stress when you actually get a room at the convention. Um, then you don't have to worry about driving back and forth yeah, and yeah, exactly. being tired. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, having, you know, you can sit back in the, in the lounge and have that one extra beer. You won't be drinking and driving. You can just go up in your room. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. That's right. So last year you had a Catan qualifier. You have that again? Um, I'm not entirely sure okay. we're going to be doing the Catan qualifier. Um, it was a little lightly attended. Okay. So, um, so we're going to look for something else to put in that position. One of the things that we're doing in a big way this year coming up is play to win. We're having a lot more, okay. a lot more action in the play to win. Very so cool. a, lot of, a lot of games to give away. You come down, you sit down, you play the game, mm-hmm. you win the game, you're into a drawing to, to win something nice. So that's something that we're really excited about. We did a little bit of that last year and, and, uh, we'll, we're going to be expanding that this year. Very cool. Now, so you've been growing every year, we noticed. Um, for 39 years. Yeah, for 39 <laughs> years. And you, you moved around, obviously. This is that you, I think you were at a community college last time, right? Is that uh, correct? We started Seattle University. That's right. Okay, Seattle University. Um, what are the future plans for Dragonflight? What if, are you going to bust your the size of this convention and maybe you have to expand elsewhere? Or? So that's that's been a topic of discussion a rather rather spirited discussion because we are growing at a rate now 
that suggests that we will probably outgrow the venue very soon. Yeah. And if the if the rate and and, and the and our growth is really for two reasons. One is we've got a dynamite convention director who really knows mm-hmm. what she's doing, and she's she's really um, uh, it's it's so well run that we're just just growing a lot because of that, right. but also because the hobby is becoming more and more mainstream all the time, and there's more and more people who want to play it, and Seattle's growing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's going to come a time in the very near future when we're just not going to have, we're either going to have to move to a new venue, or we're going to have to cap our ticket sales. Yeah. And, and I think the board right now is leaning in the direction of capping ticket sales instead mm-hmm. of getting huge, because one of the charms of Dragonflight is that it's not a monster convention. Right. Yeah. It's not NorwestCon or Emerald City Comic Con. It's it's you know it's a thousand nerds gathered mm-hmm. together, yeah. which is which is a nice sort of medium sized convention where you have a chance to interact with everything mm-hmm. without getting just overtired from all the crowds and stuff. So I think it's more likely that we'll cap our ticket sales at somewhere around twelve hundred. Wow. Because that's okay. probably about what the venue will, yeah. will handle. So I, I, and that's what I like about the charm of Dragonflight. I go there, I can play games with my friends, but you also meet new people. Yeah. And oh. on top of that, you do have game designers and developers that are kind of showing their latest things out there. And sometimes you can, you can play games right with them, too. Right. I think that's kind of the charm, probably because of the location that, that we're in. Um, so what do you... What have you seen of the changes uh, of Dragonfly over the years? I should say tabletop gaming. There's been, there has been a lot of changes since I, the, the 80s and 90s, I think, probably when you and I were, were gaming. Well, back when we were just a bunch of nerds sitting in our mother's basements, right? I mean, yeah. um, I think the biggest change is that the people who are coming are not just nerds sitting in their mother's basements. They're, they're from all walks of life. Right. And... and you can look at the population of Dragonflight today and compare that to even just 10 years ago when I was kind of getting started, and a lot less of them look like me, right? There, there, mm-hmm. there are there are a lot fewer pear-shaped, nerdy white guys, mm-hmm. and a lot more <laughs> people of color. There's yeah. LGBTQ. There's a lot more women in families. We've got a very a robust family track and kids gaming and kids under 12 are free. So that's, that's bringing a lot of families in and, and that's, that's a really good change. I see that as, as a very, very positive thing. And I, I've noticed in the last couple of years, you've, you've had kind of programs that would be more welcoming to families. I think you had a, is it the Boffer tur- tournament for kids or something like that? I saw the, the Boffer tournament. Yeah. is awesome. <laughs> Very inexpensive way of taking your aggressions out on somebody. No, I mean, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and what does it take to, to do a con? I mean, you, you're not for con. We're playing this thing the whole year. I'm sure you're doing the same thing, right? Yeah, well, um, I would say that, I mean, we, we start in earnest around January or February, really starting to plan for August. And usually September and October, November, we, we sort of sort of take a break. So for us, it's more of a eight to nine month sort of commitment. That's about how long we're there's I, I think the difference between us and Orcacon is that we have we have an advantage and <clears throat> that we have a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time. And so I think it kind of comes naturally. And, and I think with Orcacon, it's your your I don't want to sound I, I don't want to sound condescending. <laughs> uh, Orcacon is awesome. We love Orcacon. <clears throat> um, uh, but I think 
um, you're still kind of maybe in a little bit of a learning curve, right? Whereas, whereas with us, mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, Steve was going to take care of that, and right. Mark's right, going right, to take right. care of that, yeah. and Paul's going to take care of that, and so we don't necessarily have to spend as much time in the, in the organizing. Right. And there's, there's, that's a double-edged sword. I mean, yeah, we are. Uh, I've noticed at OrcaCon, we're, obviously we're doing great. Uh, we, we, just, we just have to make, we have to fine-tune and make adjustments along the way because obviously um, we haven't done it as long, um, but we, we've taken a lot of ideas from you and from other people, and thank goodness we got some staff that have been doing a few few cons. So, no, it's been it's been really good. Yeah. We're all really amazingly impressed with OrcaCon and how well OrcaCon <laughs> does, especially in 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 the realm of diversity. It's just you, you really um, did a great job. There are, there are times when I'm envious of that. I, I wish I wish Dragonflight had. We've got we've got this history behind us mm -hmm. that is both wonderful and at the same time something that we need to. To change a little bit and that you know it really for the first 10 or 15 years of its existence was was nothing but it's sort of a white men getting mm -hmm. together to play war games <clears throat> and there's still a lot of that and that's i'm not saying that that's a bad thing that you have white guys playing war games i think white mm -hmm. white guys playing war games is awesome but we also want to be a, a much more diverse convention right. and we're getting there and then we look at OrcaCon and we see how good you guys did right out of the gate this is like your third or fourth year well we're, we're hoping that we learn off each other we just yeah. become yeah. stronger for it it's a well, it's a community really and 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 it's really been a pleasure because as, as you probably know i've also been volunteering at, at OrcaCon as well and and going back to Dragonflight after a successful OrcaCon and saying, did you see what they did at OrcaCon? We need to do this at Dragonflight too. So we're mm -hmm. learning from you guys as well. So All right. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll combine forces. I, I, <laughs> grow the community. I think we should. Diversify. I think we should. That's our goal. Well, Paul, do you have any? I, I think we hit all, all my questions I wanted to ask. We should probably hit the, um, the, um, Specifics again. That's, that's um, dragonflight.org. It's it's dragonflight.org. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And Dragonflight is August 24th, 25th, 26th. That's correct. And Bellevue. In the Bellevue Hilton. Mm -hmm. yep. Very cool. And you've also got a Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. Uh, do a search for Dragonflight uh, Convention. We have a Facebook page and we have a Facebook group. Okay. Now, we, we've been doing, and I know you, you guys have been doing like game nights or we have certain events outside of it, uh, part of the whole marketing part of a convention sure. is there anything you're doing between now and then that uh, maybe the viewers and listeners would be interested in um i am I, well it, we just went to OrcaCon. i mean OrcaCon. <laughs> we just went to NorwestCon with our with our traveling uh, landing library which is jointly owned uh, by dragonflight and metro seattle mm -hmm. gamers and um I am not aware of any conventions it's going to between here and then. So I think we're, we're, um, uh, well, ETX got canceled. We yeah. wanted to go there. Yeah, kind of sad. A few, yeah. There's, there's WagonCon coming up in and Dallas. We, we just mm -hmm. learned about, about WagonCon's existence, and we're looking at, at maybe trading some oh, cool. marketing with them. But, cool. Yeah. So right now you're probably in the uh, stages of, oh, boy, it, Dragonflight's coming around. We better start planning and getting stuff together. It's starting to get a little busy. I, I forgot to ask, how many people are involved with this whole, uh, with Dragonflight? Um, it takes, for us, it takes about 20 to 25 people to put on a convention. Mm -hmm. um, a, a little bit fewer than that at the actual convention itself. Mm -hmm. 
but but overall it's about 20 or 25. And you and you're still looking for people to volunteer, be we're part of the board, we're or still looking for people to volunteer. We love for mm -hmm. people to come in and volunteer uh, um, to help out with the, with running the convention itself. Um, and if you send an email to volunteer at dragonflight.org, our volunteer coordinator will hook you up. We're, we're also looking for people to help us run certain, uh, to be on staff, to run certain mm -hmm. parts of the, of the convention, what we call area event coordinators. So if you think you might be able to help us run board games or card games or something to that, uh, of that effect, uh, we're looking for that. And we are always looking for people to run for board of directors. So it's, a, it's an mm -hmm. election. Everybody who's a member of Dragonflight, mm -hmm. which is everybody who attends the convention, gets to vote. Uh, and every year we have an election. We're going to have two seats available this year. And so mm -hmm. if you're the kind of person who wants to be a part of a volunteer organization and help out, come and run for election. Cool. Sounds fun, except I tell you what, I, I, just, I just don't like elections. You tell <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, Mark, it was nice visiting with you and uh, look forward to seeing you at uh, Dragonflight. Yeah, thanks look much. forward to seeing you guys. All right. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. That was great talking to Mark. That was great that being was down at uh, Metro Seattle Gamers. Yes. And I love Dragonflight. Dragonflight. And is I'm awesome. going to go this year because I'm not going to be out of town. I'm going to be there for two days, I think. But what about Gen Con? Gen Con? Gen Con is not in my cards. At all? No. I like to be Ever? with. Uh, no. In the I, future? I like to be with my no more than 1,000 close personal friends. What about in the future? In, in the your future, future? No. I have no desire but I'm to go going. to Gen Con. I can't. We gotta go. You gotta go one time. Well, I will. I will hold. The, I will stick a pin in that for you, maybe. You later. promise me that you'll go at least one time. Maybe in your life. after I retire. That's like next year. <laughs> well, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, so great interview. Um, it's just amazing how long Dragonflight has been oh, around. Yeah. How how much they've evolved, and they're just a growing convention. And it's really great because it's a small little convention, uh -huh. um, and really honors. Tabletop gaming in the community. They really do, and they really support Pacific Northwest gaming and conventions. And it's it's really how Orgacon started by kind of going to their conventions and like, yeah, you know, we need to do the same thing. So, yeah. Um, and we don't uh, we don't step on each other. We kind of work together, and, and it's been great. So with that, we got a game review, right? We got a game review from Doug and Kelly uh, from that section of our show that I never know what it's called. Geeks Tabletop Game Review. Yes, it's great. And that is called Feudum. Feudum. Do you know anything about Feudum? Well, I looked at it briefly on Board Game Geek. Well, luckily we've got a review of it. That's right. That's what it's for. So well, let's, don't listen to me talk about it because I don't right. know anything. Listen to Duck and Kelly because they know everything. Let's hear what they have to say. Yeah. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Dragonflight, a tabletop games convention dedicated to promoting the educational and social benefits of gaming in the Pacific Northwest. Sign up now for the August 24th through 26th convention at the Bellevue Hilton at dragonflight.org. Now back to our show. Hey, Geeks. I'm Kelly. This is Doug, and welcome to another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. And today, we're looking at Doug's game of Feudum, which you may have seen us open on a, Yeah, on a previous episode. On a previous episode. Maybe it's on this episode. I haven't talked to Steve about it. Words are hard. 
Yeah. So this game. There you go. Developed by Mark Swanson with art from Justin Schultz. Uh, it's both their first games that they developed. Yeah. Uh, it's very well done. Pretty I, good for I really first like try, it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, published by Oddbird Games. They've done multiple games before, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I got this copy on Kickstarter. Uh, got it a few weeks ago. Um, and it kickstarted last year. They did fairly well for their Kickstarter goals and all that. Uh, but yeah, it's for two to five players, okay. ages twelve and up. I think it's. I think we agreed it's for. It's 14, a little bit. Fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, fourteen or fifteen. It's definitely one of those heavy yeah. strategy games. Uh, I mean, if you're used to playing these kinds of heavy games, then it may be for you. Uh, and or it, for your twelve-year-old. For your twelve-year-old, yeah, definitely. Um, it is about 80 to 180 minutes to play. Definitely um, a long game. Definitely a heavy long game, yeah. And it's, it retails for $79.99, which I can see that because you've got all the different a lot punches. Of wood in this. Wooden pieces. Lot of yeah, so it makes sense. So we've got it set up for a two player game. So we're going to jump into that and give you a rundown on how to play the game. That's going to take a while. Just a little bit. All right, let's go do that. Alright guys, we've got our board here set up uh, in setup mode, so we have everything, all of these chits are randomized for what they're going to be. We've got pretty much everything where it's going to end up being for the game. So I'm going to start flipping these over and Doug will explain what they are. So we've got a few different types of locations on the board. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Uh, the yellow ones are towns. They basically, if you want to, you can tax them and gain money. See, taxing is another thing you could have done to get money. You're right, but I only had one township. Start making more. Come on. That's what I'm you got to do. Instead. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, that, that, that also increases money. So we have towns, outposts, farms. And we've got feudums that you can have later in the game. And those will come up later. Yeah. Yes. So progression-wise, outposts become farms, farms become towns, and then towns become feudums. So you have to improve all of those to get them. Or you can keep them as, as they are and say, like, farm at the farm for more food. Yeah. So to start the game, we've flipped all of these over. We've randomly dealt out uh, um, a random good to each of the, the most northern places. locations in each region. It's got to explain, yeah, up yeah. there on the epoch marker. So this is the epoch tracker, and it actually tells you what you're supposed to do each time around. Uh, this one says, fill up these things. And everybody gets three tokens. And the north stuff, the south stuff, the east stuff, the west stuff. And then end the game. Yeah. So to start the game, starting with the first player, I'll be the first player just kind of to give it as an example. The you choose one token. of your pawns, and you get to have it come in as a representative of each of one of the six different guilds. Uh, I think for this game, I want to be... In the Alchemist Guild. And so I get to place this out on the board at one of the starting locations. Starting locations have pink circles on them. Some of them don't. I believe there's one in almost every central zone. Yes. So the hills, the desert, and the badlands. You So you start in the center of the board-ish. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pick the farmer and go out over here. Now, in placing our pawn on the board, we also gain status in one of the six guilds, or in the guild that that pawn represents. So I get to take my influence marker, and I get to go throw it over here on the alchemist guild. Which is, we'll show you the guilds in a minute. 
Yes, they. We will go a full detail on those whenever we get to the actions that we'll take. So each player starts with seven influence cubes. Seven food, seven money. Seven food? Did I lose a food? I lost a food. I'll get it from the haversack. I, I give you seven, right? Yeah, I got. Six. No, I got six. Right. Okay. Uh, and three of the uh, chosen good. Over colors. Now the the goods uh, have a variety of uses. We have white cubes, which are saltpeter. They let you take extra actions on your turn. They're used um, uh, to repeat actions that you couldn't normally repeat. Um, that's pretty much it. There's sulfur, which I have a sulfur here. Sulfur lets you take an uh, an additional action. I don't. It's not an additional action. It's you get play to go. An extra card, isn't it? No, you get to go two times in a row. You get to play one action card and then play another action card. So you play out of turn. Pretty much, yes. You, you get to play, play twice. Yeah. You go twice. Uh, then we have wood, which is used mostly for upgrading and building boats. Yeah, boats, 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 boats. And then we have black, which is iron. Uh, iron is used to upgrade towns or upgrade farms into towns and to build gunpowder. Yes, or crud, as as it is so called. And then we have food. Food, yes. Food is needed to nourish your pawns, just like any other kind of game. These are pawns. Yeah, pawns. In case Doug didn't say that. Pawns. In any other game like uh, Stone Age or. What's, what's the other one? Agricola, Caverna, all of those kinds of games where you need yes. to, to feed your people. So now that we've kind of started on the board, we'll go through a round of each uh, of the game. Yeah, we, we will select our four action cards. We'll, once we've selected them, possibly five if we want to take an extra one with a, a saltpeter. Uh, we will play them in turn succession one at a time until everyone has played their cards. Then we'll nourish our pawns, which we can spend food, or sometimes we have sulfur some in, in, uh, in some barrels. And then we will roll the progress die. Progress die um, basically takes down the clock on the game. You'll roll it for the, the region that you roll. You'll take uh, the topmost tile if it matches the current or previous uh, epic. So with these stacks of region tiles, uh, once you reveal a certain amount, you'll trigger the next epic, and you'll proceed into that epic, do any scoring that you'll need to do, and any upkeep that you'll need to do, replenish uh, landscapes or the guilds if need be, yeah. um, and do the, the random pulls for the different locations in the regions. Now you're wondering what these action cards do, and they are there are quite a few to go through. Right, so these cards... Uh, that you have in your hand. Uh, we'll go back to your hand every time. Uh, so we're going to go through the actions of what these cards allow you to do. You will pick four of them each turn unless you spend uh, resources to take a fifth. Mm -hmm. So we've got the migrate action. This lets you move one of your pawns onto the board, uh, onto one of the starting locations, or onto a spot that you have a pawn, or a spot that you have influence in. Now, if you have the alchemist on the board, there's a little bonus thing on the board. If you have an alchemist on the board, like I do, I can come on any of the starting spots. It says it down there. Next, we have influence. This lets you take control of the locations that your pawns are at. If you have multiple you pawns on the board and I play the influence, I get to influence each uh, different 
uh, location that I have pawns at. And you'll have different ways to mark things. If I'm over here in Kelly's location where she rules and I influence there, I take one of my markers and I basically become a serf and the serfs get to kind of tend the landscape around uh, the location. Next we have Improve. Improve lets you upgrade uh, a location type uh, that you rule. Outposts with a wood become farms, farms with an iron become cities, and cities with a royal writ, which I have over here in the Royals Guild, lets you upgrade a city into a feudum. And feudums basically are not necessarily wild. They let you give you bonuses um, for other actions. They give you influence in guilds. Yeah, they give you uh, a high status in guilds for the guild that they represent. Yeah. Future reference. These cubes give you one status in those guilds. Feudums give you three points of status in that guild. And then ruling uh, certain types of locations also give you status as well. The other thing this allows you to do is plant crops or start mines and such. So if Doug is a serf, wants to start growing an orchard, he can do that. And you get those tiles from the epochs. And so whenever you you build it, uh, you spend a wood, you place it on the board at a location where you're a serf, you place its resources on there, and you have the option to, if you want to, to immediately gain those resources or leave them there, and it'll start to accumulate more and more resources. And you also get two points. Hey, look at that. Yeah, free two points just for playing the card. Yeah. Right. Uh, next up we have taxing. Taxing, like before, uh, I said, if you own, if you rule a city, you get two shillings. And for every additional feudum or city, uh, you gain an additional shilling. And what's also nice about that is if you have the knight on the board, you gain an influence uh, from the supply. It's pretty nice. Next up we have Exploring. Now Exploring is a way to get end of game uh, victory points in the form of these, uh, oh these are the Royal Ritz. These are the Royal Ritz. These, these are the seals. I got, it, I got it backwards when I was talking about These are the seals. So we have a couple of different types. We have ones that you can play during the game to gain an immediate effect or there are end of game ones. And let me draw from here until I find an end of game one. Ah oh, yes, an end of game one. So this, if you can have a seal at the end of the game and seal it, you will gain five points if you have two sulfur in your barrels, or seven points if you have three. So it's a way to get secret end of game points that people won't know about. Next we have the harvest. Uh, If you own, this one's a little bit uh, intricate, if you own, if you rule a farm, I keep saying own and rule. If If you have influence over a farm. It's, it's rule. It says it. It's, it's rule. All right. So if you rule a farm, you get to draw five goods out of the bag. Now for each feudum and other farm you have, you get to draw an additional good. And if you have one of these rosary beads, you get to draw goods equal to the, the plus on it. And they range from two to five. Now based on the number of goods you control, you can choose to take uh, what's called a kickback. And that you draw out a certain number of goods for, for your kickback that you just get to keep. So I'm going to draw out, uh, say I just get five because I only have one farm. I'm going to draw out one good at random, and it becomes mine, and I got this sulfur. But I'm just going to throw it down here into my uh, wine cellar. Then I draw out four more. Again. 
Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> then I draw out four more, and they go onto a farm that I would rule. Say I ruled this farm. They go out onto that farm. Now, a thing about the kickback is if you take a kickback, any uh, monastery beads or rosary beads that you have flip over because it's kind of a, an ignoble thing that you do. That uh, well, it's not really very priestly to take a, a kickback from some of the local farms. So you don't you don't get those bonuses after that. Uh, but if you do have the farmer pawn on the board, you get to look at the the goods that you draw and choose what your kickback is. So that can be very useful. Right. Next up, of course, we want to be able to move around the board and influence all of these other spaces that haven't been touched yet. Yep. So you get a movement, uh, basically a movement point for each pawn you have on the board, and you can split those between any pawns you have on the board. Now when you finish your movement, you get to pilfer from any location that you stop. So say, I place this, yeah, and I move over there, I get to pilfer the saltpeter and gain it into... Uh, my other goods. You can if you have a monk on the board. So I moved over there. You have a monk? I have a monk. He gets to move one space for free. Kind of going on a pilgrimage. Now we have the repeat action. The repeat uh, lets you repeat a previous action that you played before. Some of them have a times two on them. This move action does. Uh, some of them don't. The harvest doesn't. Um, but it lets you repeat one of those times two actions. Special thing, if you repeat the move, you get to take one of your chits and put it on the Epic Journey track. Yep, Epic Journey. Uh, for every uh, marker that's highest in that leg, we'll score victory points. And every time you move to the second uh, space of each uh, leg, you get to draw two Royal Reds and keep one. It also lets you spend a Saltpeter to repeat an action that you wouldn't be able to do. Now we get to the, the Conquer and Defend action cards. Now these are a little bit intricate in how they work. Conquer lets you attack uh, feudums, other players' pawns, and some of the monsters that come on the board. We've got the Behemoth, and we've got the Sea Monster. Those, those are pretty nice. Now some things about this card, you'll notice that you can't times to it, so you can't repeat it. And it's it's one of the it's the only card that you can't play last, so you can't kind of set up your turn to end the turn by attacking someone. That's not that's not really allowed. Or watching them take their moves and realizing that they're easy prey. Yeah, you got to kind of set it up. Now each pawn has an attack of one and a defense of two. Uh, each feudum that you attack has a defense of two. Uh, each monster has an attack of one and a defense of one. So you really need both of your guys there to even equal what this is. Yeah. There are some bonuses that you can have. If you have a knight on the board, um, actually before that. So some things uh, with this, you can also spend one saltpeter to give yourself plus one attack. If you have the knight pawn on the board that I just flipped this over to, you can spend any number of saltpeter to increase your attack. Now, say if I attack Kelly here, she can defend uh, and give herself plus one defense to try and stave off uh, the attack. She'll also get a victory point for playing that. Uh, also, on you also can't do this twice. Yeah, you also can't repeat a defend. So if you're getting attacked by more than one player, 
You need to figure out which one you actually want to defend from. Yeah. Also on the conquer, um, if you completely, if you successfully conquer someone, you get to place one of your markers over on the conquests. Hmm? On the conquests over here. On the the military service, as it is called. This is useful because if you control a feudum at the dawn of the second, fourth, and fifth epoch, you will start to lose points if you haven't done any conquers in the in the name of the king. There's kind of kind of some disloyalty in that way. So the bottom action of the conquer is the Star of the People action. If you have the noble on the board, you can, for no victory points, mind you, you can, if you rule a location, you can basically kill off someone's serf. And it gets returned to them. Oh, this was mine. So Kelly could have killed off my serf that's tending that landscape. That also counts as a, as a conquer, so she would take one of her markers and place it over on the conquest board. And the defend, defense against that, you can spend a food to basically take a, a royal seal and I'll put my influence back there. I could defend against it and basically say, nope, I'm immune to being starved. Please don't do that anymore. And then I get a food. This equation is what's getting me. A royal seal minus a rubble plus a negative. No, no, no. It, it's... it's uh, so as for a food, you can defend against uh, an opponent's star of action, and you gain a royal seal under that that influence marker. Okay. Yeah. Now we get to kind of the most complicated of the, the action cards, because there's so much you can do with it. It is the guild action card. Now, each of the guilds has three different actions that you can do. Um, and we are going to flip over to uh, the guilds right now to kind of give you an overview of what they do. All right, so a lot this of... This board is so long, we had to cut it in half <laughs> to yeah. show you all of it in one video. So <laughs> this is kind of where the most of the interaction happens is with the guild boards. Now, you can see there's, there's quite a lot of things to look out for. Um, we have, based on the, the starting game, we have our influence here for status in the different guilds just to show the first spot in each guild over here is the guild master you basically have uh, full rights to doing stuff in the guild most most stuff in the guild then there's the journeyman the the next spot and then there's the apprentice and i believe the apprentice spot isn't played isn't used until a four player game i don't that know if sense. we had it come up in our, in our three player no, game no we didn't yeah um, but with the guild action, anyone can trade. This is the action for trade. Each guild has an action space to show what the trade does. Farmer's Guild is fairly simple. You send all of your goods from one farm that you have on the board. None of those are farms. That's fine. You would send <laughs> all of your goods from a farm into uh, the Farmer's Guild, and you would gain a food or shilling for every two goods that you sent there. Uh, so at the merchants, you can actually spend, depending on how much each of these is worth, uh, or how much he has left of each of these, uh, that much money to obtain up to three goods. So it's usually one for each of these in this column, except two for Saltpeter. I want to be the ruler. You want to be the ruler? Uh, and you can be the journeyman. How did you end up at... Okay. So as he has less and less of things left, 
they cost more. So if a lot of people are buying wood, his wood prices go up. Makes sense. Supply and demand. So in the Alchemist Guild, uh, you can spend three money to gain one of these two available to start with vessels. Now we have an airship here. I don't know if you can see that. On my these nice Super little... Super shiny things. Yeah. Wood tiles, wood screen printed on them. Kickstarter exclusive. So we have an airship that allows us to travel along these bird routes rather than on these roads. Sometimes they correspond, sometimes they don't. We also have a submarine available that allows us to travel along these bubble routes. For example, there's a bubble route here that you can see uh, that isn't travelable by any other means. And then we have the, the boat, the, the normal regular boat that can travel along some of these... Uh, waves. The waves that are on the board, some of the, the deeper parts. They can also travel upriver to get to some locations that are only accessible uh, by those means. So Now, if all of these are empty and there's nothing here that's built, you can use the ferry boats in case uh, somebody won't let you buy them, Yeah. say. It costs two shillings to move across a, a ferry route uh, along, the, along that way. Otherwise, you have to spend three to buy a boat. Now we have the Knight's Guild. The Knight's Guild is the way that you get more influence. Uh, so you spend three shillings, and you take all the influence in your row. It's mine. You can't have it. And that's if the row is full or not. You just you take, take them all. You take all of it. Over here at the Royals, uh, we can buy royal seals. So that we can seal various things, build feudums, uh, use them on the royal writs, all these kind of things. Uh, and it's three for one... Or two for six dollars. Yeah, six shillings. What a deal. Yeah. And then we get over here to the Monk's Guild. The Monk's Guild, you can buy one of the rosary beads for three shillings. And what you do is you take the highest, so it'll take this plus four. And you take the lowest, so it'll take this plus two. You give them to someone, they randomize them in their hands. They present you their hands, and you pick one of them. I want that one. And I get this rosary bead, this plus two rosary bead. It's never the plus four. It's never the plus it's four. It's never the plus four. Yeah. Now, when you when you spend money at certain uh, guilds, you'll have to pay as, uh, the guild masters and the journeymen's. Now, if I'm over here and I want to buy three food, it's going to cost me three money. So I'll, I'll take three money that I would have in my uh, in front of me. I would pay one to the guild master, one to the journeyman. And one all the way over here to the church, because they expect kind of a, a tithe kind of thing. Now, if I spent more than, than three money, then it would repeat going around the circle. If I spent, like, six money, everyone would get two. So I would get this one back. Kelly, you would get that one that's over there, and the one stays over here. Now, how do people get this money? And over here on this side, if if someone's here... Oh, that's me. <laughs> we all ended up over here. Yeah. If I want to buy a rosary bead, I'll take some more money. I'll pay one to the guildmaster, one to the journeyman, and one all the way over here to the farmer's guild. So they can kind of get a piece of the action. Now, anytime the guildmaster at the, the monk's guild or the farmer's guild takes a push action, they get to split those coffers between themselves and the journeyman. And the journeyman. Uh, and they get any extras. So the push actions are actually up here along the top. Uh, and they, we did kind of notice that uh, the push and the pull action of the next guild and the push action of the guild next to it uh, are the same 
However, the push action is usually better than the pull action. Sometimes. It depends on what you want to do. It really does. And where you're a guild master of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, the push action on the farm is you take some of these cubes and you restock the merchant's guild. Uh, getting points based on how many rows or columns you complete. Yeah. And a good can't count for completing a row and a column. It has to be one or the other. So you can't put this one here and count it for both this and this. Yeah. So looking at that, I think I would like push here here. a couple food here. and right probably here. one of the sulfurs or saltpeters. So I would push a couple food and let's put a sulfur in there. And when you're pushing, you could do this a max of five oh, so pieces over the side. You can fill everything. I'm going to fill everything then, so yeah. If you're pulling from the Merchant's Guild, you only get to move three. Now, when, you, when you push... You, get the, you get the Ritz, too. Yeah, when you push, for every uh, row or column you complete up to three, you get four, five, or six points. When you pull, if you complete a row or column, you get three points, and you get the option to draw a Royal Writ. Now, pushing from the Merchant's Guild, you push to fill uh, the shelves at the Alchemist Guild. Take four cubes to uh, fill over here. Four cubes to fill up to over there. And then just like before, uh, up to three shelves that you fill, you get four, five, or six points. Pulling from the Alchemist Guilds, if you complete a shelf or a, a pile, as the Sulfur and Saltpeter are in piles, you get three points and you get a Royal Writ. But you only get to pull two cubes. But you only get to pull two cubes, yeah, so... Alright, so from the Alchemist over to the Knight's Guild is a little interesting. So you can either, you can build a boat, right? Yep, you can... Build a boat, or you can build crud. Crud, which is gunpowder, black powder. Now there is a cost here for each of these things, so building a normal ship costs two wood and some food. You gotta feed your crew. Uh, You can also build an airship, or a submarine. Or, like I said, you can build crud. Now you can build one, two, or three crud. So when you build crud, you're kind of limited uh, in the amount that you can build based on how much of these columns are empty. So if this column down here was filled up, I can only build two crud because to build a third crud, I would have to fill in this one first, fill in an empty space in this column. So if I build two crud, this will basically fill up all of the influence for everyone. If this was empty and say this was empty, I could build three crud given that I had the resources and all of the influence would, would fill up. Excuse me. And you would gain four, five, or six points for each thing that you build. And the pull action from the Knight's Guild is basically the same, but you get to do it only once. Build a crud or build a ship or make some crud. Alright, so the push action for the Knight's Guild into the Royal's Guild. Uh, is you spend three influence tokens to create royal writs. Royal seals. Royal seals. Yeah, to, to create royal seals. Uh, getting points based on how many rows or columns you create, or you fill. The push action is you spend two to do the same, except you get three points if you complete a row, and you get some royal writs. Yep. And notice they have to be three uh, different color influence markers. From here or from my board? From here. From here. To, to push into there. To be yours? 
No, it does not. So, so I could, I could, I could spend markers. your opponent's influence, but you have to make sure that uh, there's enough space. So since there's only two empty spaces, I could only spend two influence, and I'm probably gonna just pick other people's influence. Oh, you're gonna pick mine. Sometimes. Well, that's yours. Now the push action from the royal guild to the monk's guild is you get to push royal seals up to two. And you basically you take them, you flip them over, and you add the total of all of the rosary beads. If it is 5, 11, or 17, which did I hit 17? 6, 9, plus 10, that's 19. You hit 17. Yeah, so I got 6 points for that. So you get 4, 5, or 6 points. The pull action from the monk's guild is you take one rosary bead. If it's 11 points, or its total is 11 or more, you get 3 and a royal writ. The push action from the Monk's Guild is similar to its purchase action. You basically, you take the highest and the lowest, you shuffle them up. It was a five. Wow. Someone chooses one, or you choose one. Hey, it's the five. It goes over there, and then based on its resulting total, three, six, or nine, you get four, five, or six points. And this affects how many goods overflow when you sell to the market. This space, you only have room in your storage for ten cubes here. Uh, So when you sell from your farm... To here or to the farmers guild using the normal farms farmers action, uh, you pick you take how many of these cube or you take up to the ten, and then if you have any extras up to this amount, they get pushed over to here without getting points for the push action. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else goes back in the bag. Back into the haversack. So those are all of the actions for the guilds. It's basically where. All the interaction happens on the board. And it is it builds a really nice economy that pushing from one into another and then pulling from another, they can kind of have a back and forth depending on who controls what, who's the journeyman or who's the guild master in what guild, and how that all works out. Oh, and you get victory points at the end of each epoch if you're a guild master or a journeyman. Yep. At the, at the dawn of each epoch, you will score leadership in guilds for every... Guild that you're guild mastering, you get five points. Every journeyman gets three points. Every apprentice gets one point. And just to prove that everything on the board does affect what's up here, we were talking earlier about how the cubes do things. So if I have a, a knight on the board, I, it gets me one point of influence into this guild. Since nobody else has anything else, I get the guild master. But if Doug comes over and builds a feudum of this guild... He then gets three points, with tiebreakers being the number of farms you have. No, that's not what it is. No? No. So it's, you get three status for having a feudum. Uh, you have to exceed the amount of status that the ruler has, or the person above you has. So with my feudum in the Knight's Guild, I get three status, and you only have one. Now, to gain... Uh, a leadership role, you have to complete, uh, you have to have either a die or a pawn on the board or a feudum. Those are kind of the primary uh, status goals for guilds, where the, the farms, the outposts, or the, the cities, those are secondary status points that you get. Yeah. You know what we forgot, Doug? What did we forget, Kelly? What is your wine for? Oh, yes, the wine, every time you get a sulfur good, whether you buy it from the merchant guilds or 
Uh, you obtain it through farms. Obtain it through farms, pilfer it from someone else. You have the option to throw it over into your cellar. So let's throw this sulfur over into my cellar. It counts as wine. Wine can be used to nourish ponds. So say if I have this pond out on the board, I can spend it to nourish that pond. While a pond is kind of drunk on wine, he has no attack and no defense. But I don't have to feed him for two turns. Yes. So the next time the end of the round comes around, we just take this off, and he still counts as fed, and the pond goes, or the resource goes back to the haversack. Also, at the bottom of the guild action, you can instead do a feast. So if you have two pawns of different colors, one of which being yours, you can spend the mead uh, for three victory points, and you feast. Oh no, so what it is is you spend the sulfur and you take um, either a feudum, either a pull or push action in a feudum controlled by someone else, or a push or pull action in a guild of a different pawn not belonging to you. So say if I feast over here in this town, I get to do a push or pull action from the farmer's guild and I gain three additional victory points for doing that action. So it's a way to do push or pull actions in a guild that you have no status in and no leadership in. For actual points. Lots of stuff. So we will be right back with our, our pros and cons because we definitely have a lot to talk about in pros and cons. Yeah, absolutely a lot of... Alright, and we're back. Pros and cons. Um, I like the game. I, I don't. It's just not a game I play. We it's have not our a bad game. Yeah. It's not a bad game. This is I like, just don't want to play it. This is like us in Dead of Winter. I didn't mind Dead of Winter. But if I had other choices, I'd play other things. Yeah, it's... Really. Um, I mean, it, comparing this to Dead of Winter, it's apples and oranges. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. This game has enough intricacy and bits and pieces and just the guild thing and the way that the cards go. I'm going to have to play this another two or three times before I finally understand how to play and actually do something besides go broke in the first epoch. Yeah, that that has tended to happen for me, at least in in the first or second epoch, where yeah. you start to run low on food and you gotta see. I don't run what out you of food. I just run out of money to buy influence or um, things because I just sit there and farm. Yeah, well, there's there's actually a lot of ways to get money in the game uh, that we looked at. So one of the things I do like about this game is okay. the structure of the guilds. It provides a great economy. That one guild feeds into another, that yeah. feeds into another, and it's it's all cyclical because they all push I and pull. Definitely like them. the interaction. Like you can't just farm all the time. You can't just go to the farming guild. You do have to go to other places. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of the timing as to when that works and whether or not you're guild leader. So picking your guilds early really does matter. One of the strategies I found after playing the the few games that we have is picking two guilds that are adjacent to each other, so you can. Push yourself. from one and and push into another. So, yeah, it, it basically has a, a feed into it. But you do have to watch out to make sure what other people are doing with their other guilds to make sure that you can benefit the most from that. I think it hurt me the most when mom ended up... When my mother ended up in charge of, like, the Merchants Guild and people had to buy things from her and she was getting all of that money. And I'm sitting here at the Farmer's Guild and I'm the only one harvesting. Mm-hmm. And that annoyed me. 
I mean, it happens. Things are, people are buying things from here, but it, we almost went to the epochs enough, quickly enough that it didn't need to get pushed. It was refilling automatically because of the epochs. Yeah. I mean, it, it only refills in the third epoch, but if you're if you're pushing and if you're trading enough with the farmers guild, you should be getting at least enough money or food to sustain you through each kind of round that we play. Yeah. It's it's the whole dealing with what to get money from or what to get food from. Because it was definitely a game, uh, I think our first game, I ended around with no food and had to take all my pawns off the board. And yeah. that was just devastating. And I put my, bon- my pawn on the board too early. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't need to do this until next turn. So there there definitely are some intricacies on, on dealing with uh, the guild economy as oh, yeah. a whole and dealing with what you want to upgrade on the board because I had a game against JT where all the farms were on the islands. And so none of us kind of went for the farms. I ended up with a feudum on like turn two or three. And so I had to work on getting uh, a conquest taken care of so I didn't okay. start losing points. Sorry. But but overall, it is definitely a well-functioning, heavy game for those people that want one. Now we can talk about things that we don't like. Things we don't like. Um, and even though I like the game, there are things that <laughs> make this game needlessly complicated. 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 Like, like that entire um, statement. I think the Epoch tokens could be done differently. Yeah, we, we talked about it. It's design of the game as, a, as the board... The board is super long. It's almost, what, three feet by itself? Three I by think so, two? Yeah. Three by 18? Mm-hmm. I think redesigning it to have maybe, you, you were saying, have the guilds kind of off the end and up here at the top would, would be a little bit better. I mean, even just... Or making them, like you said, a separate board where you can actually kind of make them like half circle or something and they just kind of come on the end of... on their own. Or even their own little octagonal thing that's about this big. Mm-hmm. Yes, the artwork is great. It's fantastic. I love the artwork on the guilds. They take up too much room. Yeah. Just just looking at it, yeah. They, they definitely take up too much room for uh, what they do in the game, which, which yeah. isn't much. I mean, if you look over there on the Farmer's Guild, there's just the chickens, the spot where you keep the goods, and then the guild part, the guild leadership part. I also figure, like, I also feel like that this board has enough interaction that you need to pay attention to, and the guilds, you need to watch them, and they're on opposite ends, and they have enough interaction amongst themselves that you need to watch them on their own. That almost an entirely another board would be helpful to watch those interactions and see them work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just condense this down, take like you know, four inches off. Yeah, it would be, it would be better that way. Uh, but, I mean, with five players, if you get up to five players, I think the, the big enough board... It's still to a family people, dining room table. Yeah, so... Which, this is probably, like, if I... It takes up most of the six-foot yeah. table that we're sitting at, so... Yeah. yeah. It's just small design things that we kind of nitpick at that we would like to see kind of done better, but... It's a little bit of function, though, too, especially with the way the guilds interact. It's Personally, for me, it's function. For how mm-hmm. the game plays, um, yeah. I I mean, it is set up really well to show that things are kind of cyclical, that it goes around in a circle. So. I mean, these tiny little arrows that took me until my second playthrough to figure out. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't point those out. It shows them on the cards, and 
when I started playing this game, I'm like, oh, so this push thing is basically the same thing as the pull in the adjacent guild. Who would have thought? Yeah, I got those arrows for that, but <laughs> I didn't get, like, this arrow goes over here. Yeah. I, just, I kind of got this arrow as this is the same action, this one's simply better. And mm-hmm. I'm pointing at things that the camera can't see. But we'll point... But we've talked about it we've when ta- we did with talked the about guild it actions. Yeah. Uh, but I would recommend it to yeah. people that want, like, a, a heavy strategy game like this. I still need to play... It's a great strategy game. It's like playing Terraforming Mars with all... It's great. It's fantastic. It's a lot of engine building. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to sit with my mom on the artwork, though. It's fantastic. Oh. It's just super dark. The board itself is dark. Which I get, I guess, because it's, it's the sun it's, rising. Yeah. So everything's in shadow. You're off in a new land, and it, and it seems dark. So I kind of get it. I like the art style. I it's like nice. the art style. Yeah. The art is fantastic. It's just dark. It's dark, yeah. Oh, well, there's not really any fixing that right now at this stage. So Any more than rearranging the entire board would duck. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or email us at Geeks of Cascadia on any of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, even give us feedback. Tell us whether or not you like the audio versus the video. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Or if you have a game for us to play. Or you just want to come hang out and play games with us. We will play games no matter what. Rather work. No, sorry. Rather play games <laughs> Rather than work. Rather play yes. games than do work. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, guys. See you later. Boy, Duck and Kelly do a great job, and Feudum sounds awesome. like a fun game. They're um, awesome. Might be a little bit over my head, but I, I would love but to try playing it. It gets a 7.8 on Board Game Geek. That's so a that's good cool. rating. Yeah, yeah. Out of 100? Yeah. No, I just joke. <laughs> 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 it only weighs 4.59 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yes. I don't know why, but that's yeah. important. Well, it's, it's on there, so I'm sure. In case you're lugging it. it. You know, I, I'm an infantry soldier, so... Carrying nine point pounds, yeah, that's a yeah. that's long. So I can go sixteen miles carrying a board game on the back. Well, maybe sometime you'll get to go somewhere and bring a board game. You never know. Have some place futile. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so that was that was great. So inside joke. So inside joke. Anyway, go samurai ahead. Yeah. been doing any nerdy stuff? Well, um, actually, no. That's I've been preoccupied bad. with uh, a lot of work stuff, uh, work but I am very, very excited about Infinity War coming out Infinity this weekend. Infinity War is going to be so cool. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not going to see it this weekend, but hopefully next week. Really? We go to matinees on Tuesday because there's nobody Sunday. there. I go on Sunday mornings, bring the boys. We hate people, so we go <laughs> there's know. no people. I know you hate people, which is why you've been avoiding Gen Con. Yes, you there's so like many people. people at Gen Con. you got to go one time. There's like 60 yeah, times the people of Orca Cost. Still got to go. Terrible. Because it's your job. Yeah. It's part yes, of the podcast. Yes, the podcast money so, is rolling in. It's been great. Well, speaking it's of It's been great. That's how I got this beer. I came, yes. to, I came to a round-the-table game pub in Linwood, Washington, and bought my copy of Thanos Rising. Oh. Which I haven't got to play yet, but I'm hoping to play tomorrow with my wife. She's actually super excited, and she's not a gamer. That is awesome. Yeah. So it's a two-player game. It's two to, four, two to four players. Yeah. All right. You got all Infinity Stones right there in your hand. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Do you get to play Thanos? No. You play, it's a co-op game against Thanos. So two people against Thanos? Two or four people. You have a number of Marvel characters that you can draft to play. As one person, you can have several yes. Marvel characters. Yes. Okay. Because being a 
Marvelite. Yes. And into comic books uh-huh. a lot. It's going to take more than two characters to bring down Thanos. Yes, yes, it is. There's if a, you want to make it realistic, there's a stack of character if cards. Comics can be thick. realistic. Yes. Yeah, well, very realistic. Yes. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think we had a great show and a great game review. Thank you, Doug and Kelly. Yes. Yeah, so please go on iTunes and rate us five stars. Yes. And say how great. You can even go on there, and if you hate us, write a bad review, but click five stars. Blue samurai, so the stinky all we get. That's, that's all we're asking for. Thank you, Mark Walters. Thank you, Dragonflight. Thank you, Metro Seattle Gamers. Thank you, Around the Table. Thank you, Games Plus and Lake Stevens. Thank you, Mom. Yes, Mom. For giving birth to me. Yes. Thank you, Steve. That's right. Thank no, you, me. Not this Thank Steve. Me. That Steve over there that that's you can't right. see. He's our DM. <laughs> it's D&D night, so we got to do that right now. So thanks a lot. And remember, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Rather play games. Rather than work. play yes. games and do work. <laughs>